Hi everyone and welcome to episode 22 of Running Partners with me Paul and me Alison. So for today we're going to cover running coaching again. We have done an episode on running coaching in the past that people might have listened to but I think today we're going to get more stuck into the kind of non-running aspects of coaching aren't we a little bit and talk a bit about some of our experiences and my background which is in healthcare improvement and team coaching and that sort of thing and how some of that might relate to some of the running coaching I'm going to do. Yeah brilliant so it's like running coaching part two. Running coaching part two perfect but before that we've got a few uh, race results and shout outs we'd like to do first so just a first mention to uh, Lucy who listens every week and uh, so she did a new PB at Brighton Half Marathon so I think she did 145 she's training for Manchester I think she's just been out on a long yeah, run this morning we'll done look, 20 miles 20 yeah, miles well done. well done Lucy so fantastic so and we'll be there at Manchester won't we so anyone mm-hmm. who's doing Manchester will be like looking out for you yeah your, we're just cheering we're not running. we're not running no we, we just want to go it's not far is it for us just no. a, a short take drive the kids. they're like giving sweets yeah, out high so. five yeah. sweets uh, <laughs> all that sort of stuff so we're looking forward to that so yeah Lucy we look forward to seeing you in Manchester um, and then another one I was just going to mention Connor who was training with us in Kenya. So he was there for a long period of time. I think he was there for a couple of months, really getting his solid kind of high-altitude training. He came back and did Wokingham Half Marathon uh, last weekend, and he did 72 minutes, so like Amazing. fantastic time. So I think it was a, almost a four-minute PB for him. Wow. So obviously all the training and, you know, I think... Um, he's a young lad, Connor, in, in his early twenties. Really nice to meet him. It's not can't be have been easy to spend like two months in Kenya training every day. I mean, I was there for two weeks, but that was more of a kind of jolly. a jolly and <laughs> yeah. and learning some coaching mm. tips at the same time. Uh, Connor was really training hard, but he um, he mixed with the group a, a, a really really nice uh, person. And so congratulations. And I think he's. You know he's he's going to just get better and stronger because mm. he's he's only been training for a couple of years. I think he right. comes from a a sporting background, but not running specifically. So he's, so he started training. Look at the times he's achieving. So big yeah. things for. Uh, I think he's got some ambitions about the marathon in the future as well. Great. So, so, four minutes. That's a massive. Chunk massive. At yeah. Seventy two. Seventy two minutes. minutes. Isn't it? So yeah, 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 fantastic. So kind of, um, I'll be keeping an eye on Connor and seeing where he goes next. Brilliant. So have you got any uh, races or race results or shout outs you want to mention? Yeah, so um, thanks to Sven, he's been in touch. So Sven's um, from Frankfurt and uh, he's going off to the Tokyo Marathon. So he'll be there actually. So Tokyo Marathon tomorrow. So um, good luck Sven. Good luck Um, Sven. All the best with that. We'll be looking for how you get on. We will. And cheering you on from the sofa. Um, yeah, and he also, he wanted to comment, he said he enjoyed the last two episodes, which is really nice. Thanks for listening. And he's recommended some podcasts that he likes to listen to. So they're The Drop, and I managed to find The Drop and had a listen, and I enjoyed that too. So that's an American podcast, and they were interviewing um, in the last episode an American runner. Um, so that that's a good one to listen so check to. Check that one out. Yeah, yeah, looking for something. Um, D Lakes creates, but I couldn't actually find that one on my um, any of my 
podcast oh, apps right. or okay. anything. So, we'll so keep searching. I'll keep having a look. And A Runner's Life, which we've listened to before, haven't we? So that's Marcus, Marcus Brown, Brown, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So a few people um, will have listened to yeah, that. Yeah, I and think that one's quite a popular one. So yeah, we've listened to that one. And there's before. an overlap to this podcast because... John Starrett, Stazza, oh, my yeah, coach, he's been on he that one. coached Marcus for a period yeah. of time and I think he did um, one or two episodes with Marcus some years yeah. ago. So you can find those if you go into Runner's Life and scroll back, I think it's called yeah. Interview with Coach John or something like that um, and talks a lot about the marathon. So and Marcus is quite big on Instagram, Instagram isn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thanks Fen. Yeah, um, and also our neighbour, I think, Riz, is doing Tokyo Marathon. I can't manage to find a Tokyo Marathon app. Oh, okay. But I, th- I think that he's Riz doing Tokyo. Doing it. Yeah, Riz is doing it, but we'll update on that. I think we'll he's just gone straight that. from Seville to Tokyo. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen him in between, so maybe he has. <laughs> Who knows? But um, yeah, Riz, let us know if, if yeah. you've done it. Um, yeah, let us but know. But hopefully we'll find... Find him on the results if, yeah. if he has. I think um, he's a bit behind on the podcast, so in about six yeah. months' time, yeah. he'll tell us what he's been yeah. doing, so we'll catch up with him then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but good luck to Sven and Riz yeah. um, for tomorrow. Be excited to see how and you do. Any elite athletes at that one? That, there are a yeah. couple of elite yeah. athletes. Oh, yes. One. Yeah. So we've got um, Elliot Kipchoge. Yeah. Um, and also Sifan Hassan. So I think they're both like firm favourites, aren't they? Yeah. Given that they've both won marathons in the last year. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Kipchoge is because he did Boston when I did Boston. Um, I was a little bit behind. And he, um, he sort of had, everyone was like saying that he was going to win, weren't they? He blew everyone, up. Everyone was big. Yeah, yeah. And something something went wrong anyway. I can't remember what, what he said went wrong, but I think he yeah. just didn't feel right. Some, yeah. Something, and he sort of dropped back a bit. And did he, he finished I think seventh he went. I think something. he went off too quick. Didn't get his fueling, <laughs> didn't get his fueling right. I'm not sure his training had been spot yeah. on. A few different, any of those different reasons. Yeah. Probably not had the right breakfast. Mm. Maybe didn't go to the toilet before the start of the race. That's probably it. Probably actually. it. I mean, he, you know, if, if you're listening, <laughs> you want some coaching advice, get in yeah. touch. Yeah. Anyway, we'll but see. But just before you move on, just on Kipchoge, it's a bit of a strange one now, isn't it? Because kind of a year ago, there was a bit of a, almost like it was a changing of the guard, wasn't it? Mm. It was like he he was probably getting to the end of his, like, period of dominance, mm. not went through a phase of winning every marathon, then didn't do as well as expected yeah. in Boston. And then Kipton appeared, didn't mm. he? And just, like, obviously took the world record. Yeah. And now it feels a bit of a strange time, I suppose. Yeah, it's a bit, it feels bit a bit void. sad, really. Yeah. I mean, he, like, Kelvin Kipton wasn't going to do this marathon. He was training for Rotterdam Marathon. But at the same time, it kind of feels a bit like, yeah, there's a bit of a strange feeling around it, isn't it? I guess mm. it's the first big, big marathon race since, since Kipton died. died yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's all a bit sad, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Kipchoge gets on yeah. that, you know, and how his training's been going and what sort of shape he's in. Yeah, so um, then... I think that, yeah, both Kipchoge and Hassan are both sort of getting ready for the Olympic yeah. marathon. So I think that the feeling is that they've they've done this marathon because there's a bit of a gap. So, yeah. they've got, so they're able to kind of go all out at Tokyo and do the best and not they're not kind of 
they're going to have enough time to then train back up for the Olympic marathon. So I, I think, think that's the Sam's going to try and win the track races as well as the marathon of the Olympics. Uh, right, uh, I yeah. might be wrong on that. I don't fully know. Yeah. But I think that was being sort of talked about if the scheduling is right mm. to enable the recovery. I mean, she's an unbelievable track athlete from 1,500 metres to 10,000. She can do it all. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago about Emil Zatopek and his history, and he was someone who did that mm. at the Olympics, was was yeah. doing track races and the marathon yeah. and, and, and chatting to people on the way and <laughs> trying to make <laughs> friends during the race. They were yeah. trying to run off from him, and he yeah. was like... I think in the marathon he sort of said, "Oh, when do we like start running fast to one of the competitors?" <laughs> like in the middle of the race, when does it get going or something? And this, yeah. the, the, the person he was talking to was absolutely like running at the maximum and that. Yeah. So, well, so think, yeah, yeah, Sam, it sounds so like she's Sifan unbelievable. Hassan, she's a bit like that, I think. Mm. In the London marathon, she had like loads of sort of disasters, but still managed to win it. And uh, yeah, she just kind of sprinted away at the end and she won it. But she, I think she tripped up. She had to stop and stretch. She like, one of the other people in the race couldn't pick their drink up. So she like chased them down and offered her drink and all this stuff was happening. They must have been thinking, oh, she's definitely going to burn herself out. But, you know, she was there Delivered. at the end. And Fantastic. yeah, and she just comes across as really nice, doesn't she? And yeah. really fun. So yeah, I'd really, luck. really um, love to see her win. Yeah, yeah, again. So we'll see. Hopefully. See how that goes this weekend yeah. and then yeah. look forward to the Olympics. Yeah. So we had a lot. There's no British runners. We couldn't find any in the elite field, could we? No. Now? So the, I'm no doubt there will be some. I think when I was talking to Eric in Kenya, we were talking a bit about the Tokyo Marathon. It's not easy to get into, I believe. Right. For international athletes, okay. I think there's an invitation process. Mm. I don't know how that plays out for people who want uh, want to do the marathon majors and and how you quite get in. I'm not quite sure. Obviously, Sven's in, and I don't know. He he might be able to tell us uh, the process. But yeah, yeah I think, I think um, our friend Rachel mm. that's done the marathon majors. I think she used like a company, you know, a sports uh, travel company. Right, that makes sense um, for hers. But I don't know if that was. Something I think, that was yeah. compulsory, or maybe know, it was, was just yeah. easier. Yeah, so Eric, if you're listening, or, or Sven, fill us in on the process yeah. in a bit more detail. Because yeah. um, there will be people out there who want to complete the set, and yeah. Tokyo is one of them. Yeah. So, just while we, so we were just talking a little bit about the Olympics with Kipchoge and Hassan, mm-hmm. the uh, first few people for the British Marathon oh, yes. Olympic teams being exciting. mentioned this week. Yeah. So, um, uh, who have we got? Who's going to be representing Great Britain? Well, we men- mentioned Phil Sessman last week. So he, he, or the week before, because he'd done a good didn't, time. Yeah, came yeah, th- did, third on the all-time yeah, list. So yeah, so it was him. And then so obviously, current British runners in the men, he's the fastest. Yeah, and then um, a couple of months ago, we mentioned about Charlotte Perdue did the third fastest yeah. time, didn't she? Or, yeah, yeah, I think so, or the second fastest time. Yeah. Um, and then I think a week later, Callie Thackeray did... And even faster time yeah, by about by a like, second yeah, or something. Yeah. So um, we talked about them at the time. So the three of those have qualified for the Olympics, which is amazing, isn't it? So that'll be really exciting to watch yeah. them. So, yeah. yeah. And Callie Thackeray, I think you just said her, she's, her name's changed, has it, slightly? Yeah, I think she's got married this year. So she's, I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Callie Hoga, Hoga Thackeray. Yeah, yeah. So. so you'll see that name about, and she's of interest to us because she's, Local from Sheffield, from yeah. Sheffield runs for Hallamshire Harriers, yeah, Hallamshire Harriers, yeah. and did a local park run yeah. uh, <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, did, did she do it in like 
16 yeah, minutes or yeah, something like yeah, that. Think, so, yeah, I think it was a course record on that part. Yeah. Not, but is that allowed? Am I allowed to say so, yeah, do they have course records? Oh, anymore? I don't know. No, oh, no, no. no. Anyway. So that'll be the, there'll be no record of it, yeah. but we can say because yeah. one of our um, uh, running friends who listens to the show, Michael, uh, who's always does loads of park runs, he's always out racing. I think he had a photo with her, yeah. didn't he, at the park runs? So, yeah. so we do know that she was there, even if we can't find it on the official yeah, park yeah. run results. But yeah, so kind of a special interest to to yeah, us to, to see kind of see how does. she yeah, gets yeah. on Amazing, Re- yeah fantastic so like really excited looking forward to the the um paris olympics and we'll see those those uh, three athletes in the marathon speaking of championships mm. there's some going on at the moment yeah so this will have probably happened well it will mm. have happened by the time this episode's out but we've been watching the world indoors um so uh, we were watching some sprint races last night, so it was the men's 60 metres mm-hmm. final we watched. And then we're really excited tonight. We've got the 3,000 metres final for men and women, and we've got Laura Muir in the women's race and Josh Kerr. So there, it's in the events in Glasgow, so local favourites. Mm-hmm. So can they, you know, the home crowd, all that sort of stuff. So, like, brilliant to watch that. And then... Um, uh, also, we've got the 1500 metres tomorrow night when the event finishes. So we're Saturday, so we'll be following that as well. And British athletes in both of those men's and women's races. So quite exciting. People are using it as a bit of a, a kind of a tune up, working towards the Olympics. But of course, it's a world championships as well. So it's not just about training. People want to win the win the gold medal. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, and then I just had a final couple of mentions from listeners. So. Uh, I chatted to Raf this week. He really liked the podcast recommendations, particularly Ellis and John. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not the running ones. No, well, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, that's taken for granted yeah, and, and yeah. stuff. But yeah, he liked it. Ellis and John, and he was um, a big fan of John Robbins. He'd been yeah. to see him live. So, and also some nice feedback from Natasha. She she particularly enjoyed the toilet related. <laughs> Chat. I'll give you an update in a minute. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, excited. And then she told me a funny story about one of her clubmates. I won't repeat the story because I don't, I don't know how well known it is. But she did say he's famous for this story oh, right. with a toilet incident in okay. a one-mile time trial. And, oh dear. And uh, I know who would have thought it in a mile that you could like it could become so problematic. But maybe yeah. when you're running it, you, you're a bit nervous. Running it, your full full max things can happen mm. I think the the story was that he kept on running he had to run straight to the sort of toilets at the end of the race oh so, well that's all right yeah. I was thinking and, well, all sorts no, of... I, I think oh, right. you know <laughs> I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure everything was contained but like, she sent me a picture of him and his, his face was uh, was interesting so <laughs> what <laughs> no, at the no, uh, during the race I think oh, or right. towards the end oh, of the race so okay Thanks, Natasha, for sharing that story. Uh, hopefully have you been I've... anything? Oh, I don't know. She'll have, yeah. We'll have to... Yeah, maybe we yeah. need a bit more details. Natasha, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you know, more detail, more information. I think she wants a full episode on running-related toilet incidents. Well, and yeah. There's, everyone seems to... Like have one, don't they? Yeah. So I think you're not you're not alone. Yeah, um, I'd like it to be other people's experiences, not just mine. So. No, <laughs> fantastic. So, so that I think is a roundup uh, of everyone that's been in touch over the last week or so. So, shall we get into our week of running? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first this okay, week I'll again? Go first again this week. Yeah. So it's been an all right week. Yeah, I'll update you on my on my tummy trouble issues first. So. Last week, I was kind of trying to work out what what was going on and if there was anything I could change. And so I've cut out the 
sweeteners. So anything with sweet sweeteners in. Well, that's not quite true, but I've cut right down. But I think I had a can of Coke at some point, kind of diet Coke. So I've pretty much cut out any artificial sweeteners. And I've also really reduced down eating nuts. And to be honest, I haven't had any issues this week at all. So, I mean, I should have cut one out and then the other to see which which it was. But to be honest, I've got a feeling that it's probably just eating too many nuts. I was probably just, it was probably an excessive amount. It's probably to do with marathon training and feeling hungry and just eat, eating too many of the same thing. So that's vastly improved. So I'll just kind of continue with that and and keep an eye so on it. That's a good experiment. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pleased that it's resolved because I've, you know, it could have been something else, couldn't it? Yeah. Something that wasn't food related. So yeah. So that's much better. So on Monday I did my five miles easy. It was fine. So the end of last week I did. So on Sunday I did a tempo type run. Um, I think oh a progression run, and that went really well. But then on Monday when I went out for my easy run, sort of halfway through on the way back, my knee started hurting. And it was like one of those really like acute pains. And I think it's probably runner's knee um, that analysed it all. So then I was like, I can't believe it. Mm. Eight weeks of training has gone really well. And now I've got runner's knee. I'm going to have to sort of, you know, drop a few miles and stuff. So the next day I just kind of, obviously I didn't really know whether it was still going to be a problem the next day. And, you know, wanted to get my training done. So I went off to, I met some some friends at Neep Send Triangle in Sheffield, which is a kind of a, a low bit in Sheffield where it's fairly flat and people, it's about a mile, the triangle. So people do intervals there. So we went down there because the track session wasn't on because the school was closed. Yeah. So I I did eight times 1,000. Okay, so, so 8K, 1K, five yeah. miles worth of running. Yeah. Where, so, workout, I mean, not running. Yeah, so yeah. I was trying to do... Before I set off, I was talking to you, wasn't I, about what sort of pace I should be doing for them. So the week before I'd done miles, so obviously a K is a bit shorter. So you were saying trying to do a little bit quicker. quicker. And I did a little bit quicker. So I think I did around sort of 6.47 pace, something like that on average. I think that would make sense. It's kind of like a 10K type workout, Mm, you know. Yeah. So you'd be doing the Ks at around your 10K pace, probably... Mm. Uh, probably, well, my 10k pace is a bit slower than that, but maybe I've not maybe done not one for now. A while. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to know unless you race them, isn't it? But yeah, that's yeah. Good so pace. that that was okay. Um, and then so I could still feel my knee. It was all right. It's like it was weird. It was like better when I was running faster, and it kind of eased off over the session. So I wasn't like mega worried, but I did I did feel like I didn't I don't want it to go wrong. Mm. So so I decided the next day I got like my midweek long run that I spoke about last week and it was 13 miles and I just thought I'm not I'm not doing it (laughs) I just I I just didn't I wasn't ever going to do 13 miles anyway because I just thought it's it's too long on a Wednesday we've got work all day there's football training going on it's just really difficult and in the dark and stuff be no fun it's just no fun and I just yeah and I just thought this is a good opportunity to just drop that completely so I had two days off You've changed a bit, I think. Like in the past, I don't think you would have done that. No, it was it was a bit of a mental battle, I must admit, to not do it at all. I, I think, was really sort of grappling with yeah, myself. I think it's that bit about every run should have some sort mm. of like purpose and mm. benefit. And if you think it's going to have not 
not only not have a benefit, but might have a kind of detrimental effect on your bigger target, which I guess for you, you'll come on to was your long run for the week. Yeah. Then it's kind of sensible to be able to be brave enough to like think, well, I won't do it because yeah. I don't think it's going to help my training, mm. even though on the plan it's written down and yeah, you that's feel the, like committed yeah. to doing it. I think that that's kind of a, a pro for me in terms of sticking to plans. I'm quite good at sticking to plans, but then, you know, it can become detrimental if... You're tired, if I, injured. If I'm not, I really shouldn't do it, yeah. you know, then I'm... But I'm a bit kind of determined that I am going to do it. Yeah. Um. So it's a bit of a... a you know, there's a pro, pros and cons to being like that, isn't yeah. there? So I did skip it and... Once I'd skipped it, I was okay, but it was really, it was really nah. a real mental yeah. battle to sort yeah. of make that decision. So I did it, or didn't do it, if you know what I mean. I don't know so, what you mean. Yeah, and then I did my run on Friday. But I noticed that Amy that listens, she's marathon training, and I think she's had similar problem this week with her knee, and she's done the same, and she's dropped runs and stuff. So yeah, hope Amy, hope you your knee feels better next week and back on track and stuff so I just noticed that on Instagram yeah so on Friday yesterday I did my 20 mile run so I was still a bit worried about my knee but I'd iced it and done all that all on the days off and I set off and I was kind of I suppose thinking if it's really bad I'll just have to stop yeah but I did feel it at first, but then it eased off quite a lot. Mm, it probably and, helped. It was zero degrees snowing and yeah, raining. Couldn't probably couldn't even yeah. feel your legs. No, yeah, so. Yeah, so yeah, it was snowing up high and mm. yeah, icy rain and it was mm. it was Cold fairly grim. Yeah, and on my plan it said twenty miles steady, and I I never I can never get my head around what steady is because it differs, doesn't it? Depending on what yeah. training plan you're doing, but I kind of work off the basis that it's about 30 seconds slower than your marathon pace so I was aiming for about between like 8 10 8 20 so I did 8 16 pace so I was quite pleased with that so yeah so that's my week so far I've got another couple of runs which I'll just again think about my knee and whether it's worth doing them or not because I've got half marathon at the end of next week so yeah you want to yeah it's a bit of a lower week next week anyway so that will help so Mm. I don't want it to get any worse yeah so that's me what about your week yeah so my week has gone well so far so I've moved things around a little bit this week partly because I was playing football but then football got cancelled but so I've done um five runs so far this week I've got one more to do so I've done Four easy runs, all kind of six or seven miles, up to around an hour, really easy pace, anything 8.30 to nine minute miles, just trying to kind of stay fresh. I did Monday and Tuesday, I did the easy runs on Thursday and Friday. And then this week I did my long run midweek and I'm going to do the interval session over the weekend. So the long run for me was also a 20 mile run with 16 of those miles at marathon pace. So I did it. I did all right. I slowed down quite a bit towards the end. I, I messed things up a little bit. I didn't have any food before the long run. Um, it, it was a bit of a strange morning. I sort of took my son to his dyslexia lesson our son <laughs> <laughs> your son as well yes, so took jesse son. to his dyslexia lesson and then drop him off at, at school about 11 o'clock and then i knew i had sort of 
till about three o'clock when I'd have to pick him up again. So I thought, all right, I've got to get, get on to my long run. And then I sort of remembered I'd not had any breakfast. I thought, oh, I need something, need something. So I rummaged around in my sort of, I've got a box in the corner of the room with like old trainers and like various bits of running equipment. And I knew that I had some Kendall mint cake wrapped in foil that I'd, I'd been using for the CCC race back in August. So I thought, oh, I'll have some of that kind of sugary calorific carbs it's only been in there six months yeah and so i rummaged around in the corner peeled back the foil found it the cat was getting all interested <laughs> she wanted to know what was going on so quickly like wolf down the kendall mink cake thought all right at least i've had something and got out running and and probably for the first like it's a bit windy so i changed my plans a little bit on the route because i was going high up and i thought i need to get a bit lower down out the wind and probably for the first sort of 12 miles I felt good had a couple of gels but then into the last sort of hour 45 minutes to an hour I started feeling really sick thirsty didn't have a drink I'd had the Kendall mint cake then two sweet gels and I just sort of felt like stomach was churning Mm. had to stop a few times wasn't actually sick and then I just got really fatigued by the last few miles it's like overall the pace was pretty good I was I did my 16 at target marathon pace around kind of 640 ish a little bit quicker but I did slow down in the last few miles so kind of pleased with it and I guess it's a lesson around like make sure you have some food before you go for a run I think that's what I've changed this time I don't think I've ever sort of properly fueled before for a marathon training Mm. and for all my long runs this time I have had porridge and to be honest like a couple of times it, I've eaten it a little bit too close to setting off, but it's better than not having mm, you get the anything. Fuel in there. Yeah, and I know it's just kind of practice for race day as well, isn't it? But yeah. I know in the past I've felt really terrible at the end of runs yeah. and just thought, well, this is just like marathon oh, training or I'm whatever. Training, yeah. Well, not not oh, even that. Okay. I just thought like this is supposed to feel like this, but like on my long run yesterday, I had my porridge and then. I had my one. I had one gel. I can't really. I need to sort of practice more than one gel, really. But I had one gel, and I felt okay at the end of it. You know, obviously really tired, but not like ill. Mm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it is dead important, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think, and yeah. So it's a lesson for me, and it must. I must be in a weird habit this week of being forgetful, because then it reminded me the night before. Um, I was like looking after the children. Jesse wanted his tea a bit earlier, so made him some pasta. He had all that. And then I was like, making some food for us. You've gone out for, you're doing your interval session. Mm-hmm. I was like, all organised, got to about eight o'clock. So I like, right, shall we have our tea? And then I remembered I'd not made tea for the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Completely forgot. Yeah. So I said to Beck and Felix, do you want some? It? I was like, bedtime. So I said, oh, do you want any tea? I was hoping they might just sort of forgot themselves. Go, yeah, 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 what are we having? What are we having? I goes, oh, I don't know. What do you want? He goes, well, what have you made? Because I haven't made anything. <laughs> So um, anyway, so like, you know, I, I need to just get my thoughts organised a bit better for, for myself and the children. Yeah. Um, stop starving everybody. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's a good week. And then I've got an interval session to do. You know, I've been moaning about the 10 times 3 minutes with 35 seconds, 12 times 3 minutes with 35 seconds. Well, this week it's like... 15 times 3 minutes with 35 <laughs> seconds. So, yeah, so I want to do that either today or tomorrow. I'm hoping to do it tomorrow morning, but it, I've just seen a message about the Sunday morning football might be even earlier, so they're on about kicking off at half nine. So if I'm mm-hmm. going to try and do that session before, I'll have to get up at, like, 
six a.m. So I'll I'll, uh, mm. I'll report back how that went next week. Yeah, maybe um, Staz has been listening about Emil Zatopek. Yeah, like, yeah, he's just like going to keep going 15, yeah, 20, 25, 30. <laughs> yeah, it'll be 100 times three minutes. Yeah. yeah. I have to allocate a whole weekend to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, all going good. Okay, so shall we get into the topic that we were, uh, we're going to talk about today? So, um, yeah, coaching part two. So, a couple of weeks ago, Jeff got in touch, didn't he? And he was yep. just asking about, you know, we talked about coaching before in a previous episode and then you've been to Kenya to do a coaching course and just asking really you know if anything had changed in your mind about coaching and that sort of thing so we'll kind of cover that shall we yeah in in this bit um so how did you kind of why what made you want to kind of become a running coach yeah it's interesting question so I suppose for me it probably ties in with my working background and mm-hmm. my education, really. So um, if I just go back a little bit, and you'll have to stop me if I lose the plot or get boring. Yeah. But So my my background, as you know, Alison, is in doing improvement work in healthcare. And that usually is involved coaching of some sort, either yeah. with teams or individuals or both, and trying to look at you know processes of care and how could they be better. And I guess what I like, and I've done this for nearly probably 15 20, years. Yeah, 25 20, years, really. Yeah, 25 years yeah. I've done, I've worked You're in healthcare. Reduce your age yeah, down well, a bit. I, I suppose I started off doing some um, kind of jobs that were around analysing data and information. Then but I it moved, was all about improvement. It, it was, though, it was about it? improvement. And then I worked as a service manager for orthopaedic surgery. And that involved looking at how do you get patients through the service, meet waiting times, meet the financial targets, all that sort of stuff. So quite operational, but always with an eye on like improvements it wasn't just how do you deliver the service how can you make it better um, and a really like challenging interesting job and then from there I moved into doing improvement work specifically with healthcare teams and through that learning about like team coaching individual coaching and doing a few courses in that at the same time I did I was doing a PhD part-time um, and that was all about process improvement and I guess what I learned over the last probably 10 to 15 years is that anything you want to improve so a typical example would be like take an outpatient service lots of people have been to a hospital for an outpatient appointment to see a doctor see a physio whoever it's like I was working with teams and how do you make that process as good as it can be so that you know you get seen quickly you're not waiting around you understand um, why you're there what the outcome is after the appointment if you need another appointment you're able to make it before you leave what solutions can help you get through that process so like technological digital solutions so that was all kind of quite processy but what I realized is the only way you could change the process is by helping the team to do that and working with people and individuals, both in teams and individuals. Getting them to work together. Getting them to work together, yeah. Yeah. And I I kind of came to realise that through all my work and my studies uh, in healthcare was that actually it was all like about relationships and people. That was what drove improvement. Mm -hmm. You could be an expert in the process, but without helping teams be effective and perform and helping individuals understand how could they work differently, what could they do differently, how can they build relationships across the team, the kind of ability to change process was really limited. And I worked on loads of projects where the kind of positive changes would be undone because the, the kind of nature of the team working wasn't there. 
So, so I really enjoyed that bit about how do you work with people? How do you build relationships? You know, how do you listen? How do you communicate? How do you kind of understand where people are? You know, I'm sure you'll appreciate working in a hospital for a long period of time. It's quite a stressful environment. So you've really got to think if you're trying to work with a team and think about how do you change a process, you've really got to approach that with like some empathy and understanding Mm -hmm. of like what's going on at the, yeah. for them at the minute? Is it yeah. a busy service? Are they under pressure? Are they stressed out? You know, how's this idea of change going to land? Are they going to want to do it? And all mm. that sort of stuff. And that, I I really like, just enjoyed doing that and learning yeah. more and, and building my skills up through courses around team coaching, individual coaching. So so when the opportunity came as to, for me to then think about, oh, how could I build my skills of coaching outside of working in healthcare and I knew that the course was happening in Kenya that John was running I just thought well this is a perfect opportunity for me to really bolster my kind of coaching skills with running coaching specific knowledge and Mm -hmm. see if I could combine the two and carry on enjoying what I do which is working with individuals but then specifically thinking about how can I help them with the running yeah so I mean just going back slightly like you had a coach yourself at work didn't you I did and that's, yeah and I think that's kind of it's a kind of two-way thing isn't it you've got to be open to coaching yourself yes. haven't you and like kind of understand what the benefits are so I mean, it's quite similar in a, in a way, isn't it? So you had a coach for a few years. Didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah. So, and... yeah, I mean, so I I met Sue. So probably about six or seven years ago, I was looking for trying to think about my development in the workplace and, and how could I kind of progress and what did I really want to do? I'd got tried a few different things, got a few different mm-hmm. skills. Where did I really want to go? I knew that I enjoyed working, building relationships with people and helping them perform to the best. And so... I accessed a coach, a, a one-to-one coach, and she really like helped me really think about what is it that I'm good at, what is it that I enjoy doing, you know, how can I make the most of that in the workplace, you know, what, how, what's, how does balance between work and life matter to me, and this was through like through tools and techniques and conversations and I built a really good rapport with Sue and she really helped me think about well what where where are my strengths and what do I want to do and then I was able to use that knowledge to really think about the sort of work I wanted to do Mm -hmm. in the future so it was a kind of bit of a life-changing moment for me I suppose and that yeah definitely that built my sort of understanding of coaching and then made me want to sort of be a coach to others so it's almost like that's the biggest step isn't it that you you know kind of realizing that actually someone else can help you yeah they can teach you something and then being open to that and that applies across quite a few different things obviously there's work coaching there's like life coaching isn't there and there's running coaching and there's you know personal training and you know there's all sorts of different things but it's got that course thing running through it isn't it you know like these you know yeah the, the key things yeah you, I mean you need what, to work with people that's it so when I'm coaching people and this applies to running coaching but I also do children's coaching for football and cricket and obviously when I'm talking about coaching teams and individuals through my work it's like the and you core. also still do that don't you sorry to interrupt but you you'd still do it with healthcare you know yes, self-employed healthcare teams yeah, so I did yeah. some work this week with yeah. team development work with a team 
um, uh, with a team who work in public health in South Yorkshire. So, but I think that so whether you're doing running, football, cricket, team coaching, healthcare coaching, improvement work, the core principles are the same, and it's like good communication with people, really understanding where they are now, where they'd like to be, what their goals are, empowering them through uh, tools and techniques to be able to achieve those goals and then providing like feedback and support. And I guess it's that balancing act between between kind of providing people with the skills and tools to to do it and you know it's do it themselves you can't yeah. you can't run the service you know if you're training someone running coaching you can't do the runs for the person can yeah. you mm-hmm. what you can do is work with them and set goals that they want to achieve they think they can achieve then give them feedback on how it's going adapt those goals if you need to and really think about like listen to what people are saying you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and that is key I've learned that kind of listening and paying attention to people is like the key thing when you're trying to help people improve at anything across, you know, coaching across any of those different disciplines. Yeah, and then they feel like empowered to that they can do yeah. meet the goal that they've probably kind of got the goal, but how are you going to get there? And then you know, your job is to kind of help. work with them and kind of almost empowerment. To I that. think so. Yeah, yeah. and it, I think a lot of it comes back to what I've found in the coaching relationships that have worked really well across uh, work and sport are ones where it's a like you mentioned it before it's a partnership so it's a two-way thing where the coachee is open they're they're willing to share their fears their anxieties their vulnerabilities their goals what excites them they've got a growth mindset that we talked about in the performance psychology episode so they're not afraid to learn from what works and what hasn't worked and use that as a stepping stone for the next iteration of their performance in whatever domain they're talking about. And that you're you're a partnership, you're a team working together. So it's not about me giving someone the running plans, them doing it, ticking it on Strava, great stuff. It's the it's all the communication that sits behind that and goes with that to say, How do how do you feel? How did that go? How are you feeling? What's going on for you? You know, I I work with um, teachers, doctors, you know, these are people who like, they enjoy running, but they've got really busy, stressful, difficult jobs at times. And so you need to uh, talk to them about like, well, you know, how, how's your running fitting in around that? You know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling good? What's going on for you right now in the rest of your life? And how can you get the most out of your running to, that will help you with that, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So it sounds a bit like it's more, I don't know if you could put a percentage on it how much of it is running and how much is it of it is like that guidance well it's coaching re- so it's really bit. interesting you say that so one of the big big sort of um quotes we always used in the improvement work that I did over 10 15 years was that it's 80 percent people and 20 percent technical oh, right. so and I think you could apply some of that to running. So mm-hmm. what do I mean by that? Well, the 20% is the the process improvement in healthcare or it's the training plans in running, it's the intervals, it's the, it's the long run at the weekend, it's all those. The bits I think that with some discipline, some time, you can learn that. You know, you can understand how do you put a running plan together, you know. And a, and a big chunk of the coaching course I did was about that, you know, yeah. and John talked about that. But then we spent so much time talking about, like, building human relationships. I definitely have learned that through my kind of career as a as a coach, um, is that that people bit is so, so important because 
without that, people won't be able to improve. You know, you need people need to you need to apply the the listening, the empowerment, goal setting, the kind of continuous improvement, the growth mindset problem solving skills all of that comes from relationships between people mm-hmm. you know the bits that are the 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 running plans the training plans i think that is the the small proportion of that and i guess that's why for me for my running coaching the coaching i'm already doing with with um a few people that i've started up obviously i'm in the early days of my running coaching career that's where i see is the value added so when we talked about coaching on uh probably at least, I don't know, seven or eight episodes ago, I think, wasn't it? We talked about some of the different ways you can access coaching. And I think where the value of a personal coach comes in everything I've just talked about in terms of that relationship Mm -hmm. building that you won't get from a kind of a running plan plan, off the shelf or maybe a training app. Um, But everyone's looking for different things, you know. And and for me, that's what I was looking for, you Mm -hmm. know, and I found that both in work and then obviously I've had a running coach in John for the past few years and now I'm looking for people who want that same benefit yeah. of personal relationships, a personalised, tailored approach and, you know, I'm sure the people out there who do want that, you know, and I that's I found a few and I'm mm. looking for some more. I think, I wonder whether, and I suppose just reflecting on the people that you're coaching at the moment as well and, and maybe who other people are coaching, I wonder whether it's people that, you know, have maybe gone through those things first. So they've got, they've had like a plan on paper that they've got off the internet, like I've done, you know, maybe then they've gone one step up to an app and they've, you know, got a little bit of, you know, it's, I I don't know, adjusted a little bit and that sort of thing. And then they're, they're kind of looking for another way to improve, like going a step up. It's almost like a step up, isn't it? Do you think? Yeah, I, I think it is. And I, I mean, I, you know, I think it's sometimes you learn, don't you, what works for you mm. and what doesn't. And I think, you know, definitely I'd agree that people try different things and maybe come to a conclusion that what they want is that personal interaction to really help them achieve the goals. And I think the other thing I always like to think about is if you look at elite sport, and I think elite sport is a really useful reflection of how people develop and improve. All elite athletes have a have a coach, don't they? Personal mm-hmm. coach or a team coach if you're talking about team sports. So the value of coaching, I think, is really it definitely is in building those kind of relationships. I mean, I know a lot about football, I listen to a lot about football and I, I pay a lot of attention to it. And when you talk about kind of the best coaches, the people who've done the best, you know, people like Alex Ferguson's mentioned a lot, a, mm-hmm. a really fascinating leader at Manchester United. What people, they don't talk about, oh, well, they played this really good tactical game. And, you know, some of the players are mentioned, some brilliant players Mm -hmm. who could do brilliant things. But what is really talked about when someone like him is the team, the team bond, the team's more important than the individuals within the team and keeping that kind of, that approach to we're all here to help each other, you know, and that, and and his man management skills it's a word that's often used i think in football but it really important and that 
you know, and that's why Manchester United got rid of players who were seen as some of the best players in the world but didn't fit into that team ethos. Ronaldo. David Beckham, yeah. <laughs> so it, so I, I like find that fascinating. I, and clearly running's not a team sport in the same way, but you can, the same principles are there. It's like, mm. how do you work as a team to achieve a goal? Mm. And I think it, it can work the other way, can't it, as well? And if the if the coach isn't, yeah. Very good. Yeah. You know, I mean, there might Doesn't be good have that for, approach. for yeah. some people or there's a clash between people. Like we've seen it happen. Say, you know, you talked about Alex Ferguson. They've got like several different managers in since and they've all yes. come and gone, haven't they? And it can, it seems to happen with other football teams. I mean, like your team, Sheffield Wednesday, they've been, you know, they've been through, through the three managers, yeah. this, this season. Yeah. Well, if you count Darren Moore. Yeah. But anyway, but like also with running like Laura Muir, you know, she yes. had... I don't really know much about the background to that story, but I know that she had a bit of a bad time with a coach. She changed coaches and it's made a massive improvement in her running. Well, yeah. it's not a physical thing, is it? That because she's a brilliant runner yeah. and she can't have like got worse and then got, you know, been good, not as good and then better again. And in terms of like the physical stuff. So it was obviously something going on with that relationship. Yeah. And then, you know, there's they like... They got told off going out to get a coffee or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was quite Laura restrictive. And... and I've heard other yeah. other stories about people, you know, you know, in elite sport where coaches are really restrictive about what people eat and things mm. like that. There's quite, you know, so it's, go, it's both sides, isn't it? You can like find the really... The examples of like Alex Ferguson, obviously, there's something a bit intangible, really. Yes. I mean, no one can pinpoint what was so good, and no. obviously, he he probably can't either. No. But you know, there's something about he his knew how to get the best out of people. Yeah, and you know, yeah, because when you talk elite athletes, they've got the skill, they've got the talent, yeah. because they wouldn't be elite if they were. Mm-hmm. It's like how do you how do you enable someone to bring that the best out of themselves mm-hmm. on a regular basis when it matters the most. But I think you can take that, you can apply that to anyone at any sport. So my coaching with the people I coach, like range of abilities, range of distances, range of times that they want to do. But my my goal is like, how can I really help this individual get the best out of themselves? And of course, some of it's about knowing, you know, the training plans and that, but it's yeah. actually really thinking about, oh, when's this person need, when, when, when do they think they could be, when do they need a pushing a bit more? When do they need stepping back? When yeah. do they need a bit of an ask and a, how, how are you doing? How's it, how's mm-hmm. it feeling? You know, when do you when have do you to, need to leave them alone? Yeah, when, yeah, exactly. When do you need so. to step in? When do you need to leave them alone? Mm. But you only know that by developing that relationship with those people. Yeah. You know, and you can you can only do that by spending time talking to them, communicating with them. And so for me, that is the cornerstone of coaching. And I think so this is the longest answer to Jeff's question ever. <laughs> but I really value that. And I think, you know, for people who are looking for that sort of one to one coaching, that's the added value they will get from working with someone like me, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that that's where the the kind of real um, skill comes in in trying to help people. Okay, so what do you think the key thing is that you've learned from all your coaching mm. experience and maybe you know or Stazza's course or? Yeah, that, so that's a good question actually. So I've thought about this, and there's something that sticks in my mind, and this is a work-related example from probably about seven or eight years ago. I've been doing some improvement work, I think, with um, a surgical team around like processes in the operating theatre, how can they improve? And I presented some of this work back to um, the trust board. So 
um, good presentation, uh, some questions and answers, and then there was a little bit of a break after. So I was just chatting to one of the non-executive directors, and he was someone who worked in manufacturing and, and industry, at senior level, kind of, um, uh, you know, being a, a chief exec at a manufacturing plant, a big company, and now was doing, retired from that and was a non-executive director at the hospital. And he said to me, oh, really interesting, I enjoyed all that. And he said, over his working life, he used to think it was all about process. So if you can imagine manufacturing, mm. how do you make a manufacturing plant efficient? You focus on the process. Can we like cut costs? Can we increase efficiency? You know, make this a productive plant. But what he said was over his working life, he realised it was all about people. So he said he changed from process to people. And he said, if you just focus on people, you'll be able to get the process right. And that always kind of stuck with me. I was thinking, this is someone who has worked in a different industry but trying to achieve some of the same goals. How do you how do you achieve improvement? And he realised that it was just completely about people. So I've always tried to apply that. And that is the biggest thing I've learned is that people, what does that mean? It's about building relationships. You get good relationships, you start to get good outcomes and good outputs. Cool. So um, if anyone's looking for a coach, yeah. Yeah, I self yeah, coaching wanna... a few people. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to take on some some more. So if this sort of thing is of interest to anyone or anyone you know, you know, get in touch. Yeah. And happy to have a, a, a an open conversation and see if it's you know I could help. You know, so um, yeah, drop us an email. Yeah, brill. Okay, so I think we've we've come up to nearly fifty minutes again. Mm. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we're quite um, consistent, aren't we? We are. So hopefully, this is a nice accompaniment to people's uh, easy five miles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Get those easy runs in, or washing uh, up. Listen to this. Or yeah, doing the housework. Yeah, well, okay. So there was just one thing we wanted to yeah. mention, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. So um, we had some listener feedback from Nick this week, who who asked us. Um, what's it like to be a couple who are both into running? Does it help? Is there more understanding of the time and the kind of physical and emotional effort? And do we run together? And he also said we have a fantastic rapport, which is nice. Thanks, Nick. So I think we're going to come back to that next week, aren't we? So we're going to give that give that some thought and kind of be interested to hear from anyone else who's in the same position as us. So uh, Nick himself said him and his wife um jody trained for some marathons at the same time and and loved it and enjoyed the races more because they shared so Mm -hmm. i will have a think about our experiences for nick's question and and if anyone would like to share theirs um and wants us to share them on the podcast then let us know yeah well is that it for today i think that's it for today all right well good luck everyone tokyo we'll yeah we'll report back next week about the Um, results and happy running any other races that people are doing as ever let us know know. and we'll be back next week see ya bye thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the show if you did please leave us a rating or review and share the podcast to friends and family to help us build the running partners community you can email us at runningpartners at outlook.com with any questions feedback race results topic suggestions or anything else Also email us if you would like to find out more about the running coaching that I offer. Simply put coaching query in the email subject and I'll get right back to you. And check out my website paulgriffithsrunningcoach.com for more info. You can find us both on Instagram at 26.2 and Griff's Running as well as on Strava and Facebook and all the links are in the show notes. We will be back every Monday with a new episode so see you then.